0: There's a rumor going around that some kind of spider might have killed Sam Metcalf, maybe Margaret, maybe even my bronco. Doubtful, Henry.
1: There was a case in Florida where one of my colleagues bumped into a nest of black widows, sustained over a dozen bites, and lived. Of course, he permanently lost control of all of his bodily functions. There's no spider here. But I will hunt down the alleged arachnid and spread some to kingdom come.
0: Welcome back everyone to Ramblin' and Amblin' Podcast. The podcast where we head deep into the jungles of Amblin' Entertainment to see what uncovered and potentially lethal discoveries there are to be found. Let us just hope we don't bring something back unwittingly to bring down the ecosystem of the podcast (laughs) community. (laughs) I am one half of your host, Andy Godian. And I am the other half, Joshua Glenn. And uh, we're doing things a bit different this time. We're, we're in the same room again. We are. But this time in my house. <laughs> oh, and it's nice.
2: It's more comfortable in your house. Well, more, you more say that,
0: but was currently like crouched around my <laughs> tiny coffee table with... You with a box and me with a stack of Scrubs box sets to prop up my
2: microphone. I feel like a, like a budding Silicon Valley entrepreneur in the, in the early days well, in one of their garages. When we hit big, this is where, this is where we'll look back to. Oh yes, like every Silicon Valley entrepreneur. Sounds, oh, when I was inventing Facebook. God. it all sound like Danny DeVito to me. <laughs> when I was banging whores and inventing Facebook. <laughs> Would you like an egg? <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a new season of It's Always Sunny on Netflix. I've started, it's, good. it's uh... and, that, and that habit of dropping things unannounced at the moment, yeah. aren't they? We were just saying before <laughs> recording that Jean-Pierre Jeunet's new film is currently just today streaming on Netflix and nobody said anything about that. Look how cultured we are. Look at Already us. Already in the first minute we've talked about... We talked about Scrubs, we talked about Always Sunny, and then Jean Pierre Jeunet. (laughs) I forget that we're recording, and this is a podcast with a purpose. Andy, what's our purpose this week?
0: (laughs) Our purpose is, of course, as always, to be going through every film in the Amblin Entertainment uh, calendar, and we are right bang up in 1990 with our film this week being Arachnophobia, Frank Marshall's film from 1990. But before we get into that, we thought we'd kick it off a little bit different. Uh, than normal, um, and introduce a, a new section. Um, if this doesn't go well, we'll delete it and you'll never know. You it. <laughs> it out, right? but I think, for fairness sake, we should keep all this in, even if not well. Let you be the judge, dear listener. <laughs> but uh, we thought we'd kick off with some ambling news. Ba, ba, ba. Ba, ba, ba. Ba. We'll get um, Robin Greg ba, ba. to do a little. Ba, ba, ba. <laughs> a little... Okay, Sports Centre. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Can't use sports centre. We get sued. <laughs> so couple. It's been a a big couple of weeks for uh, Amblin News
1: since
0: we last recorded, hasn't it? I think like I'm trying to think what is the biggest one to kick off with. I think we'll go maybe chronologically. Yeah. And that. Um. So the first one would have been uh, like that. We are in a week where the Oscar nominations mm-hmm. came out, and uh, Amblin uh, very much there and present with a uh, a whopping seven Oscar nominations Ooh-hoo! for Steven Spielberg's 2021 adaptation of All west side story a film we both love and we'll get to in about oh 20 to 30 years time God, yeah, judging, probably judging by flutters. our pacing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> depends how lazy if
2: we want a couple of months off again here and there yeah <laughs> maybe there'll be one like one
0: time where we'll get like free done in a month you know
2: yeah. <laughs> we'll just catch ourselves
0: up but we'll see but uh a film I think uh, it's fair to say we were both massive fans of.
2: Oh, big, big fans. Yeah, big, big Tremendous, fans. tremendous fans. Yeah, I saw it twice. I took I saw it once with you. We were very uh, happy to be invited to the multimedia <laughs> yeah. screening in London Square. <laughs> it was a very exciting affair. And I took my parents or my mum and her boyfriend again over Christmas to see it. And uh, we all had a wonderful time. And... I think my mum's boyfriend did fall asleep but that was not over the quality of the film he did have a lot of beers beforehand. <laughs> and it was a warm cinema on a, on a, on a cold winter's day and it's a dangerous combination. And It's long. It's long. <laughs> and it nice. Yeah. It's quite cozy and comforting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very good film though and thoroughly thoroughly deserving of its uh, its seven nominations I Indeed. guess. Indeed. So. Uh all
0: of which include uh best picture, best director, uh best supporting actress um, I also believe best cinematography is mm-hmm. in there. Uh,
2: best production design. Um, costume design. Costume design, and nice. sound. And sound. Did you notice? <laughs> I think I'd seen someone tweet about it, and I, I noticed it when I saw it the second time, but the 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 sound that the New York subway train makes, it's the first three notes of somewhere. Hmm. It kind of goes, da, da, da. Apparently, it's anachronistic because that's meant to be the more modern subway trains. But right. they kept it in this version of the film because it bleeds so nicely into... It sounds yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a poignant little... It's when they're, when um, Tony and Maria are meeting in the subway to go on their date. Mm-hmm. And you, the scene happens with the, with the train pulling in and... Da, 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 it's like a little precursor to the song when it comes in. So yeah, I'm all about the sound for that film. <laughs> it's got some very nice little sound sonic easter eggs for... I also quite enjoyed this
0: fact that um Spielberg's uh best picture nomination uh makes him the most nominated individual in that ca- in that category as mm. a producer with a total of 11 films and also his best director nomination makes him the first filmmaker to be nominated for best director in 6 consecutive decades. Holy cow. <laughs> it's
2: pretty staggering, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think? I suppose the 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 big. We don't have time to discuss all of these. I think we'll go for the big elephant in this room. Do you think it's got a fair shot at best picture? Hmm. I would say, if, if anything's gonna
0: kind of like st- steer away from the front front runners, I feel like this feels like a very mm. traditionally academy friendly pick. Yeah. Um. But I guess like the momentum at the minute is behind something more like Power of the Dog or even Belfast.
2: Both films I've not seen yet. Yeah, but... yeah. One of them is much better than the other one. <laughs> <laughs> let you be the judge yeah, of you'll be the ju- <laughs> And it's not the one that tries every scene to make you cry. <laughs> That's probably reductive. It's, really it's, not, it's not quite that. It's just quite banal and crowd-pleasing. Uh, yes, of course, I'm talking about Power of the Dog. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Mm. Well, out of those nominations, I'm most uh, most jazzed for Ariana. Yeah,
2: uh, absolutely,
0: man. DeBose yeah. for uh, Anita, and mm. um, I know it's happened before, like your likes of your Rooster Cogburns and Jeff Bridges and uh, John Wayne what, and Joker so, and Joker. <laughs> <Heath Ledger laughs> Actors and, winning uh, the same Phoenix. role, but I'd welcome it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do think. Yeah,
2: I she hmm. we. I think we both love the film I love Rachel Zelga. we are a bit more ambivalent towards Ansel Elgort and as such the Tony maria dynamic struggles a little bit as the emotional backbone I think that the Anita back the Anita thread in this mm-hmm. film is much stronger Yeah as an and emotional is fabulous <laughs> the, the America sequence might be my favorite in the whole film she is yeah. just you know the physically not in an objectifying way in a what she's able to do she's as an a dancer. dancer. Like yeah. that, the dance
0: hall scene for me as
2: well is yeah. up there as well. Like... It's ferocious. Oh. <laughs> I want to watch it again. <laughs> but also to clarify your other comments in case they were taken uh, at a crossroads, Power of the Dog is much better than Belfast. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't want people to mistake me for a fan of Belfast.
0: I think they were you made it pretty clear, but I like your I like your uh, I'm taking Milana Wachowski <laughs> with the
2: Matrix Resurrections route of being no, this it, it, is it, what this I, is I meant. What actually meant. Yeah. I'm clearing up any fog. <laughs> Belfast is fine. It's not awful, man. It's not not awful, it's just not you know. I'll see it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yes, well done to West Side Story. Clap, clap clap. Um and then I think the biggest probably like in terms of just generally mm-hmm. the size of the thing mm-hmm. <laughs> and, the, and the creatures therein of mm. uh, the biggest amblin bit as well this week was uh the first trailer for a Ju- jurassic world dominion yeah dropped um we've already had a um well two short pro- prologues if you count the bad day at uh, the battle at uh, Big Rock mm-hmm. that came out a few a couple of years ago now. Yeah,
2: I remember that. That was pretty good. That was pretty decent. And then yeah. there was a
0: five-minute um, prologue, as it were, which kind of showed, went right back 65 million years to mm. you kind of get like very, very well done for mm. a realistic kind of CG More walking dinosaurs. with dinosaurs yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and then it uh, jumps into the T-Rex being hunted down and okay. uh, crashing a drive through cinema which was cool <laughs> yeah. is that so is that how the film starts
2: is it well, the actual pro like sna- that's smash from that's the film.
0: more just its own thing something uh, whether we'll will see that scene in the in the movie we'll see but uh it's very much been marketed as its yeah. own thing but so this is really the first like proper look at uh the footage of the film both kind of reintroducing you to the world of where jurassic world fallen kingdom left us off with a. Uh, Dinosaurs being unleashed, perhaps somewhat unwittingly, by the film's heroes (laughs) in the final moment. And now there's many species of dinosaurs running amok in America. And clearly at this point where we're picking up across the whole world. um, So like the biggest things in this trailer are like seeing various species and different types of locales from kind of big, big rigs in the ocean being taken out by a Mosasaur to... um, blue the raptor being in a snowy forest to, um, I've forgotten the, the other kind of raptor that's in this the raptor, I think, or something like that. You you know, man, don't look at me. (laughs) Uh, And then of course, probably even bigger than that for certainly for uh, people grew up with these series of films and particularly the first one being such a big button of nostalgia for people in the nineties, the, probably between the biggest the, pull here is seeing the, the original fan-necked dinosaur the like fan Wayne Knight—that that is <laughs> t- fucking
2: terrifying of course that is that's I what would, you were gonna say part, isn't it that's part of the original cast i don't think roster. that dinosaur's <laughs> been in jurassic park since then has it or no certainly he had, not, a, he had a hologram in a jurassic world but, oh, but uh, scene with way night though that that was <laughs> we'll, we'll get to this in a few episodes time with yeah yeah various guests but um yeah that's what you're going to say, right? There's no other yeah, reason sure. that fans of the original will be... Uh,
0: there is, of course, <laughs> the reintroduction of uh, Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, and Laura Dern oh, yeah. as their <laughs> original movie characters. Dr. Alan Grant, Dr. Ian Malkin, and Dr. Ellie Sattler, respectively. Um, which is probably the biggest pull for me in this, because I couldn't, I couldn't really care too much about Chris Pratt or Bryce Dallas Howard's characters like this. At this, uh, at this rate, uh, can you remember their character names? I'm just gonna. I know he's called Owen. Yep, it's Owen Grady. Can you remember Bryce Dallas it's how it's called? I know she wears heels in the first one. They make it doesn't want point, to be a it? mother. Doesn't want to and be a mother.
2: The film judges her for that.
0: <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm I can just... tell you, it's all right. It was just a test. I'm just it's Claire. <laughs> 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 is Judy Greer still in these films or was she just in
0: the in She the, was only in the, the first one. one. Always Hope room she's for Judy Greer to come back. There is always room for Judy Greer. <laughs> But <laughs> uh, know, what were your impressions of this trailer? Because there was a lot in it
2: and it yeah, looks like... Of stuff. It looks big. It looks... I think I'm very happy to say that I am I love the first Jurassic Park like anyone anyone does. But I think that is, to you, what Back to the Future is to me, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So I, I've never had as much stock. I like Lost World Fine. I like Jurassic Park 3 because I like Joe Johnston so much. And... Um, <laughs> yes, we'll get to that <laughs> eventually. Never really cared for the Jurassic Worlds. Uh, I remember we, we saw the... Oh, well, I'll save the story for the Jurassic World episode. But no, I, I really don't have much of a horse in this race. So it looked like a lot of things that people like the films like. It is, it is nice. It's always nice. I like Sam Neill, Jeff Goldman yeah. and Laura Dern. It's always nice seeing them in things. And I like to see them get paid. That's nice. Everyone's got to make money, haven't they? Um, cost of living's increasing, so... <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you got to do to, to 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 pay for your energy, but no, I I I really, and especially with the the legacy sequel fatigue that I'm feeling, especially after having seen No Way Home, not to keep. The dead horse, I just I have very very little desire to to enter my thirties still being pandered to like I'm a child. So I <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I don't know I, I I'm it's come at the I'm at a point when I'm I'm finding it hard to get excited by pandering, I yes. think. um, Much as I did enjoy Resurrections tickling my belly, but that, we can, <laughs> we can get into that. Um, it kind of get, tickles your belly bonus. and slaps it, though, doesn't it? It's, yeah. <laughs> First is giveth, then taketh away. Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah,
0: I totally get that. Um, yeah. a thing like, I think, like, I have, I have probably liked the Jurassic World movies a bit. Better than some mm. some of our peers, um, but I will admit they're a bit flawed. They're not quite mm. as, I guess, sophisticated as a Spielberg blockbuster is. Yeah. Um, but something I do appreciate them, and particularly the second one, a bit more so than the first one, is that like, whilst there is that kind of fan service pandering, there is a attempt to kind of shift the uh, kind of goal goalposts and the paradigms of what this, these movies are about and what they can do and there fair. is a general escalation yeah. that i think has been baked in quite whether well is the right fit but it's it's been baked in there for sure there's yeah. a clear intention to where this trilogy was heading um uh, which you don't see a lot in a lot of uh, franchise <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sequels these thank these god we don't have to talk about those films <laughs> on this podcast. um and i i am i am impressed by the scale of this yeah um and i hope that um those kind of moments with the original cast aren't too much nudge Mm. nudge remember this sort of moments yeah um, which i understand why this trailer trades off in that because it's the first time you're seeing them so i hope that the film itself isn't too much of that um so i remain cautiously optimistic yeah for june 2022 yeah i think ever
2: since lost world the fact that the the, the tacked on final bit of lost world we've been hankering to see dinos in the real world or on the mainland America, So it's uh, it's a reasonably exciting prospect. We'll see.
0: We'll see. And before we jump into our uh, last, uh, before we jump into arachnophobia, uh, I also just wanted to give special mention to the other tidbit of Amblin news that came out this week. Um, which is uh, David Lynch has joined the cast of, of Steven Spielberg's upcoming uh, semi-biopic uh, The Fablemans, which is currently shooting for a November 2022 release. <laughs> he joins a cast that already includes Michelle Williams, Seth Rogen and Paul Dano. Um, and what is probably the more exciting part for me, this is the first time that Spielberg's had a writing credit on something for Donkeys. Um, he's co-written God, this with yeah. Tony Kushner, who uh, also wrote wow. The uh, screenplay for his West Side Story. That's always
2: a sign that, that's the thing I like to see is when when a filmmaker tries a new collaborator and keeps them on for yeah. a little bit because clearly it's working. Spielberg's usually one for that, isn't he, <laughs> as
0: well. I'm excited to join the cast of the new Spielberg motion picture. <laughs> I've read a rumour that he might be playing um, John Ford, which is very exciting. <laughs> 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 That's probably the most
2: exciting news
0: yeah. of the crop. I'm very excited to see David Lynch in a Spielberg picture. Um, and, and like I say, that's that will be coming in November 2022 and is indeed an Amblin production. So we'll, we'll also get, get to that eventually. at some point. <laughs> but now to the business at hand. As we turn our attention away from Spielberg and to one of the other founders of Amblin Entertainment, Frank Marshall to talk about his directorial debut, the 1990 Frillomedy, which is a term that was used in TV commercials for this film, (laughs) arachnophobia. Before we really sink our teeth into the movie, though, I'll hand it over to Joshua Glenn for what is sure to be a fantastic synopsis.
2: (laughs) We open in the Venezuelan jungle where photographer Jerry Manley, played by Mark L. Taylor, who eagle eyed viewers will recognize from Inner Space, Indeed. also in Honey, I Shrink the Kids, so two of the cornerstone shrinking movies, <laughs> he's in. <laughs>
0: Just and he's alive an still. Movie I'm, hoping is in, that. Well, I'm, I'm hoping he's in Well I'm
2: hoping he's gonna be in Shrunk. <laughs> so, bring him all back. Yeah.
0: Who is he in Honey I Shrunk
2: the Kids? I can't remember now. I because I, I, I remember to, like I kind of kind up just yeah. looking
0: through the names and I was just like, I don't remember
2: you. I, yeah, i to him. <laughs> I'm gonna see. go with one of the written around is his nerdy bosses. neighbor. Maybe, uh, anyway, where photographer Jerry Manley is joining an expedition led by entomologist James Atherton, played by Julian Sands, who is a to bastard, un- who is a bastard <laughs> to uncover species of spiders that have been untouched for millions of years. Mm. Unfortunately for him, one of the spiders manages to sneak into Manley's bag and bite him once he returns to camp, resulting in a very painful-looking death. His body is to be sent back to his hometown of Kanaima, California but before the coffin is sealed that dastardly spider sneaks in and joins him for the journey Some time later Manly's desiccated body arrives at the Kanaima mortuary When the coffin is open, the spider jumps out and makes a run for it On the way out, it's picked up by a crow <laughs> which, which it promptly bites and causes to drop <laughs> it It's so silly, isn't it? <laughs> On the way out, it's picked up by a crow, which it promptly bites, (laughs) thus causing it to be dropped uh, right in the garden of the new Kanaima residence, the Jenningses. The father, Ross, played by Jeff Daniels, has recently uprooted the family from San Francisco so that he can take over the local medical practice from the outgoing GP, Dr. Metcalf, played by Henry Jones. He also suffers from chronic arachnophobia, something that he's passed on to his son. Luckily, his wife, Molly, played by Harley Jane Kozak, is on hand to take care of a rogue domestic spider they find in the front room. Said domestic spider is soon impregnated by the Venezuelan interloper, producing hundreds of drones, all armed with their father's venomous bite. Shortly thereafter, the town's residents start carking it one by one. First, the kindly neighbour, Margaret Hollins, played by Mary Carver, then a local football player who wasn't credited on Wikipedia. (laughs) 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 Then... (laughs) <laughs> then cr- <laughs> then crotchety old Metcalfe himself, who had previously refused to give up his position and insisted that the previous deaths had been caused by cardiac arrest. When Ross notices a great big spider bite on Metcalfe's body, he tracks down the famous entomologist, again, James Atherton, and asks for help. Atherton is sceptical, though, so sends his lucky Chris Collins, played by Brian McNamara, in his stead. Together with the corona... Corona? Coroner. Together with the coroner. (laughs) What? (laughs) uh, Ross and Chris exhume the bodies of the recently deceased and examine them for spider bites. Lo and behold, they find them on each body. Convinced there is a full-on arachnid infestation going on, the guys enlist the help of oddball exterminator Delbert McClintock, played by John Goodman, and formulate a plan of attack to rid the town of spiders and, in the process, help Ross overcome his arachnophobia. Arachnophobia.
0: (laughs) now this is one of these ones that's got like um as a a lot of amblin joints from this time the poster Mm. is particularly inspiring in terms of like really nailing a sort of ominous tone and expectation i think um but uh they all the posters from this era are pretty Pretty fucking sweet but is this it, the
2: sort of the last gasp of that hand drawn yeah beauty just 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 before the infancy of photoshop
0: so and so that was always like a presiding a childhood memory for mm. me of this film before actually seeing it um what what was your kind of like cultural knowledge of arachnophobia
2: when you were younger? It's exactly that, pretty much. It was always one. I think I've mentioned on this podcast before. There was a video shop um, on what was called the Tanyard Yard near. It's like a. What oh, was it called? Do you remember? Apollo. 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 It was. It wasn't part Direct of a chain. Rentals. It was a standalone. And I always used to. If my mum was going to the row of shops to get some groceries or, or whatever, get her hair cut, I'd always spend the time in Apollo just looking mm-hmm. look, just looking at the video companies yeah. And when you're a kid, I was still in my U phase, or, or G for any American listeners. Anything I couldn't... Awesome. I couldn't watch <laughs> much in the way of PG in those days, so I would always look at the, uh, the more mature video covers, yeah. and some of them had such... Indelible images that they would stick in my head, and some of them I still haven't seen. Like, like Child's Play was one that I saw an awful lot, the front cover of, and and I've never actually seen that still. But you, as a kid, you you think, Yeah, I'm sure it's not really worth the fuss, but you fill loads of gaps in your head, and and, and there's a certain thing that you think the film is going to be that it can never live up to. And this was one such film, this was always one that I looked at. And like you say, the video cover was the poster, and it's very hard to look at that and not get exactly what the film's going for. Mm And I used to to look at the back and see the images from the film on the back of the video box and it was all cobwebby and scary. And I thought, oh no. And my parents had seen it, I think. Because it came out a couple of years before I was born. Parents had seen it, maybe, maybe at the cinema, I don't know. And they told me it was very scary. So, I was always, it always built up more and more of an image, uh, a, a, more of a, an impression in my head as yeah. being this big, it's creepy, a scary spider film. Movie. <laughs> and it would occasionally be on TV and would be channel surfing. And I'd see, like, the bit with the old man with Metcalf putting his slipper on was a bit that I've seen before. And uh, yeah, all these things it's just so compounded bit me. <laughs> this idea of how scary this film was. So, I hadn't seen it fully until the other day when I watched it for the podcast. <laughs> and. Uh, it was. A, I, I was delighted watching it. <laughs> and it is funny, because the first 60 minutes, I timed it, because it's so tonally different yeah. to what follows. I was thinking, this is not at all what I thought this was going to be when I was three, four years old, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I remember it as being this uh, totemic, scary film when I was a child that I was always too... Because when it got to the age where I was allowed to rent it, I, I was always too scared to do so. Um, Are you afraid so. of spies? No, not not particularly. Not in theory, I'm not. I, mean, I think swarm, swarms swarms of anything freak me out. So in yeah. this film, towards the end, when there's swarms all over the walls and the very scene, uncharacteristic that freaks spider. me out. Yeah, <laughs> as they're keen to point out. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I don't mind spiders. In theory, I think yeah. uh, I think they can be quite cute. Actually, I yeah, quite appreciate too. what spiders do. Um, yeah. Uh, but similar similar rea-
0: like reaction to me for kind of seeing the poster in a, mm. the video shop or the. The video itself, although funnily enough i uh, learned this tidbit on our travels that they the spider was off of the um uh, so th- for those who may not have seen it the uh poster is very much this kind of uh suburban neighborhood at dusk it mm-hmm. looks very very spielberg very very homely very warm, but then there's a moon in the center and then a spider coming down on one cobweb um think kind of. The shark from Jaws posted yeah. but a spider in reverse <laughs> yeah, yeah, descending exactly. on a town, ta- on a small American town. Um, apparently the spider was removed from certain like initial video releases. Really? Which feels like, why? <laughs> no, they They just got a moon above the It says absolutely nothing. Why would they remove this? That's... I, it's baffling. But um, I, I remember I saw this for the first time when I was about 12, I want to say there was a, a friend of my mum's at work who always used to lend me DVDs mm. and to, to go back to uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. She also she, she used to babysit for me. So the first time I saw Honey, I with the Kids was staring oh, around hers. And I'm then she let God. me play Doom, Doom on the PC when I was, I was I must have only been about eight or nine. I don't <laughs> I know am, if you've played Doom like, on uh, the yeah, PC. Yeah. It's, it's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> long time ago, maybe. Um, but she also was like, she... She was one who kind of like gave me the box sets of like um, the Superman movies, the Die Hard trilogy, um, the Alien quadrilogy, um, lots of lots of kind of like what I now look as formative films. And this was one of the DVDs that ended up in like one of the care packages, as I I warmly describe them. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) she's your version of the old lady in the woods. Bless you, Judith. Um, and I remember always kind of like from having seen the poster and or the video even in uh, the store when I was younger. I And I and uh, something I'm sure you'll want to speak to in a bit as well, having like kind of grown up around the sort of time when Eight-Legged Freaks was coming out in the early noughties. So please, you brought that up so soon. <laughs> yeah. I, I had it in my head that arachnophobia was also about a giant, massive mm-hmm. spider. And while there is like a, a pretty big spider in this movie, it's not like, I remember seeing it for the first time and it's going, Oh, it's just lots of spiders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, as like this uh, South American breed mm-hmm. comes and like, comes and mates with a it's just a pretty ger- like normal house spider, is Yeah, yeah. And like, and <laughs> the offspring ends up getting the bo- the best of both worlds from a uh, mum and dad: <laughs> 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 the subtle size of a house spider and the lethal bite. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I also remember being like genuinely quite creeped out by it yeah. Um, and, um, something which does, has kind of persisted into this, but like, it's a mixture of like both being quite genuinely quite creepy and also really goofy, yeah. which, I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which, which I think speaks quite nicely to, uh, the kind of intention at the heart of this. Mm-hmm. What, um, one of the kind of production notes that I read looking into this was Frank Marshall was... When he was going into this as his directorial debut, he wanted to make something kinda in the vein of uh Hitchcock's the Birds mm-hmm. or something a bit more kind of fifties like that fifties horror horror movie vibe where uh people are like to be scared but laughing, he said, like a roller coaster. No one wants to be terrified. Which I think is something that like this film does
2: kind of nail. It does have yeah. that kind of that up- the ups and
0: downs, the ebbs and flows. Yeah. <laughs> and to, to
2: bring in something that we've talked about independently like outside the podcast is the to sort of recontextualize Martin Scorsese's comments about Marvel films. Calling something a roller coaster isn't de facto an insult. No, you know, the, the kind of film it's an intention. It is. Yeah, <laughs> Frank Marshall said he wanted to make a film like a roller coaster, and there's like, there's a real skill and an art form yeah, to making a absolutely. roller coaster film. <laughs> um, so I I I, I understand the distinction that he was making. Because hmm. you would never confuse Fellini with... You know, the Russo brothers. The Russo brothers, perhaps, <laughs> But both are very good at doing... You know, they're separate. And when the Russos try to do something a bit more <laughs> <laughs> highfalutin, we get cherry. Yeah. So some folks should stick to making roller coasters. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I just want to get that... Uh, get that recorded get that on them records <laughs> that's, our <state. laughs> that's our state that's our state on the matter you <laughs> a good roller coaster film there yes i'm with frank marshall on that
0: he is right and uh frank marshall and spielberg um developed a project uh alongside uh disney but through the arm of uh their hollywood pictures label and this is in fact the very first film to come out under said label um which was designed in, in a similar vein to Touchstone Pictures that would kind of deal with mm. more adult-orientated fairs. Now now defunct, but across the 90s, there were quite a few films released under the banner, including the likes of Encino Man, Judge Dredd, uh, Coppola's Jack, uh, Gross Mario Blank, Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, it later became kind of like a label for low-budget genre films before being made kind of pretty... Red, uh, they just ended up dropping the label from about 2007, I think. I've forgotten the name of the film that was the last one, but it was, I think it said like a David Goya, uh horror movie. The Invisible. Yeah, The Invisible, the that's it. Uh, so yeah, this is the very first film to come out of the Hollywood Pictures label. Um, it's, it comes from a story uh, by Dan Jacoby and Al Williams, with the script eventually written by Jacoby and Wesley Strict. Whilst this is Williams' only credit, Jacoby had previously contributed to Death Wish Free and Toby Hooper's Life Force. Before going on, and then after ar- arachnophobia, he went on to write the Van Damme-Dennis Rodman action flick Double Team in 1997, um, John Carpenter's Vampires in 1998, and Evolution in
2: 2001, um, which makes a great yeah. deal of sense. And he made a very excited noise when he discovered that fact <laughs> earlier on. Wish you could have heard it, guys. It really just, just makes so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically the same thing, but with aliens. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, strict himself came on uh, for rewrites once uh, J- uh, Jacoby had written his version of the script um, as strict was already at work uh, with Amblin on the script for Scorsese's remake of Cape Fear more on that in a, a short while a short episode's time <laughs> so, um, But and his more recent, recent credits include uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake and The Man in the High Castle TV show. Um, As this film went into production for its summer 1990 release, um, as is the old uh, um, saying in Hollywood, you should never work with animals or children. And this is a film that has both. (laughs) As do many films, to be (laughs) honest. Uh, Of course, this is a film that has copious and copious amounts of arachnids, uh, which... um, were achieved through a combination of using both real life spiders and uh, puppetry, model work, mm-hmm. and what have you. Uh, but the safety was of the said spiders was paramount throughout the entire production. Uh, with such scenes where you see them being sprayed with in- insecticide, that's just water. For mm-hmm. scenes where, like John Goodman stamps on one, there's a bit cut out of his boots so specifically to miss it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Look at it. that. <laughs>
2: I figured they just cut before he got to that and yeah. uh, replaced it with
0: a, a model. A lot of dummies were used throughout and um, the, re- the production required two species of spiders. Um, so a casting call, if you will, of, <laughs> a, <laughs> of the eight-legged wannabe Hollywood stars. <laughs> so, um, uh, and the first, uh, the arachnid that which is the ride to from South America to California to kick off all the madness. Needed to me- they wanted to measure about a foot across. They wanted this thing to look big and Jesus. big and nasty and scary, and they found their star in a bird eating bird eating tara- tarantula native to the Amazon, and there was only one such spider in the U.S. at the time that they used, and uh, Frank Marshall lovingly loving, uh, lovingly named the spider Big Bob after Robert Zemeckis. <laughs> so- big Bob. And uh, the production then also added uh, purple stripes on the back of Big Bob and a uh, pr- prosthetic abdomen to bulk him up for the scene. So that your your Marvel actor equivalent bulking up <laughs> <the> Big Bob. <laughs> How the hell do you put prosthetics on a spider? Even a large spider, even a big boy like that. Apparently, he was very. Uh, um, from what I can gather, he was very uh, very gentle and quite like a, g- yeah, he was quite down. <laughs> 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 Even Big Bob's got to get paid. <laughs> uh the smaller spiders for the film used were Avondale spiders uh or to use their latin name Delina Cancerides Cancerides <laughs> Whatever you say really? <laughs> Um which are a harmless completely harmless species from New Zealand that were provided by the Landcare Research facility in Auckland. Uh despite their rather fearsome looking appearance because they do look like they've got Mm. They would be the offspring of Big Bob with their two meaty fangs at the front. Um, They're very docile um, and are a member of the crab spider family and are are completely harmless to humans, making them completely safe to use on the set. Um, Unfortunately, they were not allowed back (laughs) into New Zealand for quarantine reasons. So their shipment over to California meant they were spending out the rest of their days. On the sunny shores. <laughs> in Malibu, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good way to end up, I, <laughs> I feel. <laughs> the spiders in the film are all managed and handled by famed etymologist Stephen R. Kutcher. So well done, Stephen. And nicer guy than James Atherton,
2: it seems. <laughs> <laughs> nicer man, I hope. <laughs>
0: But yes, I, I know they, they use a number of combinations of kind of like magnets and uh, and pulses as well to kind of, and um, materials that they knew the spiders didn't like to walk on to design the pathways, essentially, for how to get them to cooperate for certain scenes. Yeah. Um, which works a treat. I mean, they, <laughs> they, they look like they're really hitting their marks. They really do. T- <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, the animatronic of Big Bob, because Big Bob can't use a can't be used in every scene because, like, there's too much required mm. <laughs> of him. Like need... Bruce the Shark. Exactly. some... Almost 20 years... 15 years 15 probably. years, yeah. Uh, so there's very much you need... You need your stunt doubles and Big Bob is no different. So an animatronic was designed uh, by our... Uh, for both Big Bob and the general spider, which is the kind of the final... The final baddie, final as it boss. were, in the climax. Yeah. And this... Spider was designed by our old friend, uh, Chris Wallace, who, of course, was behind Gizmo and the original Gremlins what a design. What um, And this animatronic was also built in part by a young Jamie Hyndman, who went on to host and co- co-produce uh, the series Mythbusters, for all you Mythbuster fans out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when it came to the human side of the casting, uh, Jeff Daniels came on to play Dr. Ross Jennings when the film was being sold as a more serious horror uh, one that Daniels told Philadelphia's daily news at the time was pretty formalic. You could tell that the lines were kind of written by a computer. <laughs> so once him and Marshall were involved and uh, strict as well with Amblin Entertainment, they decided to aim for a, a, the more ironic tone that the film ends up becoming, owing more to the likes of Hitch- Hitchcock and Spielberg's own Jaws uh, to get the tone right. And one of the big changes that they made... Um, Daniels and Marshall, once they came on board, was to actually make Dr. Jennings an arachnophobe. That wasn't baked into the cake. Apparently not. <laughs> Seems like a pretty obvious thing. Maybe the kid always was. but like <laughs> Maybe. Even the, the, the kid doesn't really play much of a no. part in it. <laughs> it makes for <laughs> some of the most affecting
2: bits of the film when he yeah. tackles his arachnophobia. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, One of Spielberg's conditions
0: for coming on to executive produce the film was that the role of Delbert uh, be played by John Goodman, who we, of course, previously saw in uh, Always back at the end of the 80s. (laughs) Uh, The rest of the cast, as Josh said, is filled out by the likes of Harley Jane Kozak as Ross's wife, who had previously starred in the soap opera Santa Barbara, as well as the slasher movie House on Sorority Row in 1983 and Ron Howard's Parenthood in 1989. And then you also have the likes of British actor Julian Sands, Short Circuits, Bryant McNamara, and many veteran actors mm-hmm. along the Asian community in um, uh, I can't remember the name of the town now. Sorry, Kanaima. Kanaima. Almost said calamari. Kanaima, <laughs> California. Uh, yes, including the likes of Henry Jones, Francis Bay, Mark Taylor, and Roy Brocksmith. I've always like seeing the thing, Roy <laughs> <laughs> He's the guy who gets sweaty in Total Recall. <laughs> Some good sweating. Yeah. <laughs> the film went on to be released in the summer of 1990, July 18th to be precise, where it debuted, debuted in third place behind Ghost and Die Hard 2. Die Harder. It's um, better than both those movies.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> earning 8 million over its first weekend. Uh, went on to become a moderate financial success uh, at the domestic box office, earning fifty-three point two million overall, and then off of a budget of twenty million, uh, and then an, an additional thirty million in video rentals when it ended up going around the uh, the store circuit. As you well. can see how that would be the case. Yeah, you can see like ten-year-old <laughs> boys like, "Oh, let's
2: rent this for our sleepover, mum."
0: <laughs> and like, even looking at the kind of reception at the time, at this. This was a film that was generally very well received um, with many kind of hailing it as a pr- pretty damn solid yeah. uh, exercise in, as Marshall was intending, kind of roller rollercoaster thrill yeah. rather than being
2: genuinely frightening. People tended to get what it was going for, yeah. which is nice. <laughs> it's not always the
0: case, but yeah. Yeah, with like Newsweek's David Anson even compared it to like the... 50s B-movies B of the time, mm-hmm. like alien invasion movies. Um, which it very much hearts back to as well, I think, yeah, along with that Hitchcock vibe.
1: Arachnophobia. Eight legs, two fangs, and an attitude.
0: Perk up, Lloyd. If we find the spider that did this, you can arrest him.
1: Arachnophobia. A thrill-omedy.
0: So I think a good start for our general discussion on the film is to discuss uh, like so i mentioned earlier that it was marketed in, on tv as a thrillomedy
2: a thrillomedy a thrillomedy
0: yeah. uh, how how successful do you think the film is overall before we get into the nitty gritty at kind of being an example
2: of a frill on. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very successful. I am um, yeah, I I hadn't seen it before as I'd said, and you do have that extended prologue that that kind of feels a little bit like a Jurassic Park prologue. Yeah, it's a completely so. different film, and I I'd sort of to take a, a bit of a tangent when I was uh, well, I'd be nine or ten. Um Eight Legged Freaks was the first film I ever saw, the first 12A film I ever saw at the mm. cinema. So it was a big, a big part in Josh Glenn's. That is history was a big deal. <laughs> and it was one of the first DVDs I ever got. So I watched it I watched it several times. I watched it twice in one day on, on more than one occasion. It was a film I was obsessed with. So I was I very much um I'm I'm sort of keyed into this kind of film. Like not, not so much a parody as a sort of just almost an update a prestige leading, <laughs> leading back to the Creature Feature days. And that film is quite efficient in its justification of why the spiders go ape shit, oh, there's a vat of toxic waste that falls in the lake <laughs> the 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 um the crickets that that are in the lake get fed to the spiders and then they mutate easy peasy. so I do feel like for the first almost twenty minutes when this film spends such a long time faffing around in the- Amazonian rainforest, I thought i oh, yeah, I don't know if I'm quite on board with what this is going for, but then you you get you get into the main meat of it and you meet the family and you have the first, um, you cross paths with John Goodman for the first time. And I really think that around that time, things do start to come together. And it was the party that the nice neighbour um, Margaret. Margaret throws for them. and Poor Margaret. That's when the imagery starts to get a bit more playful. And you have the bit when the cup is on the spider and you see the mm. cup's got of the way. And then she's the first victim. You see the spider in the lampshade. And then I thought, oh, this film is having a bit of fun now. It's playing with it a little bit. And pretty much from that point onwards, my enjoyment just was exponentially more and more as it goes along. There's some really fun. He's not the most. He's not the visualist at Spielberg is, but he certainly has a lot of fun visual setups. Yeah. To, to play with the the, the threat of the spiders, like you say, it's not like it's a a giant spider. Like, you not know, like a freaks. It is a regular sized spider, <laughs> but that's almost more scary because it's Definitely. the unseen threat, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's it's the jaws thing again. And there's a lot of really fun setups that I think really emphasize why a regular sized spider with much stronger venom mm. is is that terrifying. So yeah, I think um the, the 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 prologue was a bit of a stumbling block for me, but once we get past that and we get into the meat just before the halfway point of the film. I was like, yeah baby, cooking on Here gas now. Very <laughs> much what about yourself? Uh do
0: I agree. I quite like the slightly more ominous mm. tone at the um opening kind of trades in um i do think like um so the dp on this is mikhail solomon who did a shot always with spielberg and i Mm. do think particularly from that off where like (laughs) it has that weird kind of like 90s smog look to the amazon um i guess to make it when it shifts into a studio scene a bit more palpable yeah um but um, palatable, even. Um, or palpable, also. Yeah. Well. <laughs> but I, I just, I, <laughs> I couldn't shake the feeling it's like, okay, this feels like it's the work <laughs> of a filmmaker who's not quite so, who is a producer rather yeah. than someone yeah. who's like really into <laughs> the idea of what you can do with lighting and imagery. And it's not, yeah. I do agree, it's not until, um, shit starts going down in, in small town America that he starts really getting yeah. quite playful with it. But like, I think what struck me the most was like, particularly in that opening stretch is quite like genuinely horror vibe. It goes for (laughs) where you, you do see the photographer get bitten in quite like a and the way again, the way they're building up that spider, the, mm. this very ingenious and crafty little bugger, yeah. who's uh, <laughs> hops onto, <laughs> who hides out in the tree, <laughs> hops onto uh, <laughs> a cart that they're carrying out. So <laughs> almost as if he's like planning this. He's like, finally, I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's okay,
2: <laughs> well, it's vengeance for his massacred brethren because they go in there and they smoke the area out, don't they? they? They do kill them all. Well, it turns out that some of them are a bit too resilient
0: to mm-hmm. it um and then yes he goes and bites the um photographer who would already been
2: he was in about I forget what he was cuz he had was. a fever already didn't he <laughs> <that> <laughs> yeah but, uh, and he was bedbound when he was bitten
0: yes let's just say big bob made sure he finished a job and then there's that very quite grim detail of um big bob then stows away in the coffin with the photographer and mm. then when he arrives back in his hometown He's completely drained of blood and is just this husk of a of a body, and it does it does like for a PG film, it does show the the mm. dried out corpse, and it's a bit like yeah. oh! <laughs> it's like the corpses in the mummy in the night, yeah night, yeah night yeah night mummy it's, desiccated. <laughs> um, it's a good effect. It, it, it works really effect. well, and <laughs> it is
2: yeah, it's oh you're pushing that PG, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I definitely really enjoy where it does get into the uh, swarm element of it, where um these spiders yeah. are literally kind of coming out of every part of the house and the, in the climax. But even before, before that, where you do have the kind them kind of acting as a serial killer, which ends up, uh, Dr. Jennings, Jeff Daniels character ends up getting the moniker of Dr. Death because he's always yeah. the last physician on site <laughs> before someone gets bitten by one of these, uh, one of the offspring of big Bob. Um, Yeah, like you say, every scene before an attack is, like, be it through camera move or just kind of simple framing for making you think where it might be or where it's going to go into. That's the thing, yeah. It's it's very playful and also, like, nice and simple, very effective, very efficient. Yeah. And um, where it's the sort of thing where you can hear the... um, makers behind the camera
2: just go, kind of going <laughs> yeah <laughs> you have that bit when jeff daniels approaches what he thinks is a spider on the wall with a rolled up news uh, rolled up magazine and then he he strikes it and it's just a coat hanger yeah and so that does like you say it does make you scan the frame it's not like um it's not as intense as something like paranormal activity where you are scanning mm. every inch but he does it does encourage you to scan the frame. It's a benevolent film as well. <laughs> yes. But it encourages similar habits. You do sort of look, look at the frame thinking, where could the spider be hiding? Where could it be? Yeah. Am I missing something here? And that's quite fun. I think that's quite, um, that's a nice little trick that Marshall pulls off there. Yeah,
0: because like, as we were saying earlier, like, I'm not, Particularly afraid of spiders, but mm. this film does st- it still like made yeah. me kind of go. Ooh! Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a
2: dusty aesthetic, the cobwebs and the, the 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 swarming, which like you say that it's not a thing that spiders really do, but it. Oh, seeing a lot of them together and and just the insurmountable danger that they yeah. pose, especially the final the final um, not to jump the gun, but the final act, the fi- this final set piece reminded me quite a bit of the poltergeist phenomenon. Yeah, no,
0: I, I I can get that. I can get that way because, <laughs> like, to kind of get, go back a bit before, um, even to the point of bringing out Poltergeist here, I think that's quite a good point of comparison mm-hmm. in terms of also how it's setting up its American, its small town American lifestyle and the family at the focus on. And, yeah. uh So yeah, you, you as Josh said, you get we get to this small town where a new doctor and his family are uh planting planting new roots yeah um what was your kind of take on uh this film's um expression of the american family and uh, on also like community in general because i think it probably speaks a bit more about community rather than yes what i did the reagan or nuclear family because we're getting out that reagan era now yes 90s are we in bush are we in bush period
2: now let me look up precedents. You, 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 I, I can vamp a little bit. No, that is funny because I, I one recurring note that I kept making was along the, the the idea of the way it looks. A community more so than family, because mm-hmm. you do. It's very pointedly San Francisco that they come from, and it's somewhere we're in bush. We're in bush. <laughs> we're in bush. Um, it's pointedly. San Francisco that they come from versus, uh, it's still California, but it's more inland and yeah. you get, you get into more of a Midwest kind of attitude and you immediately, I think one of the first people that, um, that Ross sees when he, when he enters, um, Kanaima is the traffic warden. I think who he didn't he used to go to school with him or something like that the 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 sorry the sheriff even not the, sheriff, yeah, yeah. It's the sheriff yeah the sheriff yeah a real 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 finicky asshole who immediately gets his up because this guy oh, one of these big you went city to Yale, guys didn't you? <laughs> exactly and it says like this quite interesting idea of like uh, the coastal elites versus i don't know re- real rural heartland americans which is a a thing that's very much reaching its apex today yeah and it feels like quite a quite a prescient um uh uh, oh, what's the fucking word I'm trying to find? It's quite a prescient um, tension that it's set. Yeah. That um, the immediate kind of, a very superficial difference that makes you put your back up and change the way you yeah interact and trade information with it. And, and it does, I mean, one of the reasons that so many people die before they realise the importance of this spider attack is because the Doctor who... Ross comes to replace, refuses to retire because he's he's scared about, carping it once he does retire, and he insists that it's a heart attack that's killing these people. Uh, and he very much ignores the protestations of Ross, largely Doing it seems, <laughs> no. because he's a city boy and is like, oh, you can't come here with your city ideas and tell us little small town folk how to do it. And it is that stigma of the small town Americana mm-hmm. versus the co- that what they perceive as coastal elites, and it's quite an interesting dichotomy that erases i know it doesn't do an awful lot with it ultimately i don't think but it, no. it it's interesting to see that dynamic given how it's played out in the almost th- over 30 years since then
0: yeah because i think like some of the characters in general are probably a little too broad for it to work in like mm. similar to a, a case like i know jeff daniels in that quote specifically referenced jaws yeah and like it's easy to read ross his character as a version of brody in, yeah. in fact it's pretty much a cut and paste job when you really think about Very it much so yeah. moving, <laughs> fr- moving from the city to a small town community with his family uh brody had a fear of the water um, <laughs> this guy's scared of spiders um but where like jaws kind of then uses the kind of um free headed uh view of masculinity of the kind of um the man of science, the the man of instinct, and the everyman yeah. in Hooper, Quint, and Brody. This doesn't really have those same kind of parallels and doesn't really go in for Not that. such. Cause I've, no, there's kind of characters you could kind of look, look at for that. And like even the kind of, yes, he's met up with like kind of, uh, he's always met with these protestations of whenever he's trying to uh, do something to better get to the root of the problem um it also does allow moments where like even the sheriff where um they can't get hold of the mortician it's the sheriff that knows why it's because oh he always takes his yeah. phone off when it's will of fortune
2: it's that kind of small town knowledge yeah, the community exactly. knowledge yeah yeah but,
0: um for me this kind of community is very much based around the that tension that exists when you have um because ross jennings and uh his family are very much um there's not many other young families that you see in this um mm. in this uh film. True, yeah. You, you see families for sure, but the parents, even the parents that are a bit older and have lived there their whole lives. So there's this kind of tension between young and old <laughs> I- ide- ideals. <laughs> I think you kind of speak to in your point as well, mm. um, particularly um, the stubbornness of the older generation to not want to kind of change the way that they're that they're operating um, in the way that they go about things, even yeah. in the face of what is clearly mortal danger to, <laughs> to the community.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I suppose it's when, um, I'm so bad at uh, Metcalf, I'm so bad at keeping character names in my head, Who it's only really bad. when Metcalf dies and thus Ross inherits all of his patients that the that war does come down and the, the sort of the, the coastal family and the local community can come together and work together. Yeah. Really. He's, he's kind of like the, these old farty gatekeepers are the ones that are propagating and prolonging these tensions. Once they go, you can work past it against... Yeah,
0: because you even see like people at like the party that Margaret froze for um, Ross and his wife, whose name is Molly. Molly, um, yeah. yeah. Um, the party that uh, Margaret froze to them. Um, you even see at the party that there are people in the community who are slightly like taking uh Ross off to the side to ask like can you what this is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this good There's clearly yeah. already a baked in yeah. distrust amongst the community of the older stalwarts that are still in place yeah. and a clear desire to um have someone who's a bit more up to up to scratch shall we say a, a bit yeah. more a bit more of a modern hand as it were and, and Margaret's one of pretty much the only one from the office super open with it straight yeah. out straight out of the gate and doesn't oh, care who knows about it in the community. Ah, absolutely lovely Margaret. It is an, really I, lovely performance by she, I, I literally <laughs> when I realised she was going to be the first. I went, not Margaret! <laughs> yeah. So, uh, let's talk a bit more about the um, invading factor. Mm, so, mm-hmm. I know you can kind of like transplant lots of different metaphors onto the likes of Bruce the Shark or what have you, or... Predator or The Alien in terms of what they symbolise for their respective films in terms of... like In those sort of films, they kind of... It's about the threat of communism. It's about the threat of the other. It's about um, sexual politics. So what... Do you kind of get the reading of Big Bob and his offspring kind of being in this town?
2: I wasn't quite sure. Yeah. I wasn't quite Because, like, my... One of one of my theses, my thesis is you have these different waves of creature features. So like you're saying, in the 50s, you have the them, them, and, the blob. and tarantula, <laughs> and the blob, and they're very clearly a Cold War, damn commie invasion. And it's the unseen again. It's like the original unseen enemy. You, you can't tell who's a commie. The the body snatchers, you know, they're here, they're here, which is something that eight like, legged freaks parrots. And then in the 80s, you've got a kind of splatter revival. So you have like The Thing and the Blob remake and Mm. the stuff. And it's much more, obviously, an AIDS allegory. It's the body horror. Again, it's a different kind of unseen enemy. And I wasn't quite sure what... Because you have this run from the 90s through the noughties. And again, they're not quite parodies because they are a bit more earnest than something like Scream. But they're postmodern enough that they're self-aware in what they're doing. And Eight Legged Freaks is is the one that we return to because obviously spider film but then you have even things like slither and evolution to a point you know lake placid and tremors which comes out the same yeah. year i think is the best example of that kind of film and i don't know is 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 i don't know what the 90s version of the red scare or aids is allegorically i think it it's it's more ah, it's utilizing these familiar bits of iconography and Textual elements, yeah, to reach back. There's, there's something. I suppose I'm, I'm working through these thoughts now. No, I'm, no, I'm yeah. really not sure. There's almost <laughs> something nostalgically challenging about this kind of strain because they're appropriating these classic genre bits, yeah, and not, not really interrogating them, but they're, they're looking at them in, in a modern eye. And there's a slight scepticism to it. Yeah. So I, I don't really know, man. I don't really have an a, answer. It's not really
0: played, but there was a line at the start um, that kind of makes me think a bit more about what this film's kind of aiming for. The, um, I think it's the ph- photographer that says it, where it's like, so where they find the original Big Bob is down in this giant sinkhole mm. in the middle of the Amazon where there's going to be loads of species of insects and spiders that have never been discovered simply yeah. because of how remote it is. And they've never... And they say a point of like these creatures have never actually been able to get out from this point because they've they've just not had the access to. Um, and I think that a photographer says it's like millions of years, huh? And then we come along. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. I wonder if that kind of builds into it and how like when yeah. it does end up getting taken over it ends up getting bled into the into the culture um yeah. in a way that ends up being quite destructive and is born out of a place of a uh, sense of entitlement that we've spoken to a lot of Similar to Gremlins, isn't yeah. it yeah there is that sense of entitlement that you don't really um fully understand the responsibility of that you're going into because um Julian Sands' character, the Doctor, yeah. is shown to be quite a uh, like callous and yeah. curious, but quite cruel at the same time. Yeah, um, and it's it shows that kind of um, the consequence of that kind of flippant attitude to mm. something that you don't really know or understand, and how that can, if not properly respected, can really be quite dangerous for both um the 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 original being or creature or culture mm-hmm. and when it's introduced into an ecosystem, be it small town America in this case, and just how if you're not yeah, I don't quite know where I'm going with this. I know like, it's, it's hard it's <laughs> to put it down, but I kind of
2: know what you mean because I think the fact that he's British, I, it's probably just a casting choice. But in in that context, it plays quite pointedly because it invokes it does give like imperialism, a, yeah, and it also gives like that kind of like early um turn of the century explorer sort of mm-hmm. um, bravado, which again, like those myths, there's a problematic element beneath them in that they are exploiting. Local yeah. areas, and this is—I don't—I don't really want. I, we have to be wary talking about post-colonialism being two white English boys oh, because absolutely. this is this is not our this is not ours to really discuss. But it almost feels And honestly—I like, didn't know we were going to get no, this not either. this discussion. I, if, if, if this is a little icky, and if if this isn't very tactfully done, then please do take it out. But it's almost kind. I don't want to no, I don't want to equate the colonized with spiders. <laughs> No, I don't want to do that. I don't think I don't I don't, I don't think, quite I don't feel think comfortable going quite, down this road. I don't think the film no. quite knows how to handle that. No, either. but there are there are like the shades of the it, the shades for sure. of that. Right. <laughs> um, and it, oh, I do because the, the 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 button at the end is that they they flee, they they go back to San Francisco because yeah. they can't take it, and that's where they feel comfortable. It's almost like uh, the the ignorant, the ignorance of small town America will destroy it. So just. Run away to the to the coast. Does it reinforce <laughs> coastal elitism? Is that what it's going for? I don't know. But that is one of the things. Uh, that's one of the things that I suppose you could say about these more postmodern creature features is that they aren't necessarily about anything other than themselves. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I don't know how much of that. Because there's, is there, there's stay. even
0: like even to to your point about a kind of like playing on the idea of the creature feature there's mm. a, a really quite like jarring line in this where they're disc- where they really lay out the stakes of what it what is yeah. happening here where <laughs> yeah. it's like okay these spiders are <laughs> like uh he's come over he's uh clearly mated and he's sending out these uh drone spiders that are, that don't have any reproductive or- organs yeah. but their their purpose is to just spread and kill and take over and then eventually it will get to a point where McQueen does, will end up uh, reproducing uh, other versions that can reproduce and then it will just keep spreading and spreading and spreading until, and then I think they literally say a kind of line. It's like, then there's no stopping it. (laughs) And then then it'll just keep going. (laughs) The spiders will just keep going. Um, And then it's kind of the people that end up having to stop it from becoming a nationwide threat uh largely free individuals who are, are a bit hapless and a bit useless really and yeah. who kind of bumblefuck their way through it, <laughs> so, it... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so you've got <laughs> Jeff Daniels Dr. Ross Jennings and you've got uh Brian McInerney's Chris Collins who's a ch- student under I think he's the, the Julian Sands yeah. character right and then you have John Goodman's uh, Delbert who's, who's uh...
2: Like a variation on um, Bill Murray and Caddyshack, that kind yeah. of bumbling. Well, well I, I, I'm i an expert in these, man. <laughs> when he's really not, he's not really.
0: He's just bought a lot of the kit and read a lot of things, which is like, <laughs> again, I think that speaks to the kind of like entitlement and the danger yeah. of thinking that you're, you're willing, you're ready to handle things that you just, you do literally know nothing about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I think is... Kind of what this is more speaking to, yeah, is the danger of not being able to recognise um, your limit of knowledge. <laughs>
2: it's funny that the opening uh, presupposes Jurassic Park so much because it does. Yeah. That's similar themes that Jurassic Park would take yeah. to much greater extremes, and like that film really does explore those ideas. I yeah. think um, this this is much more. Yeah, light, lightweight, but not an. That's not meant as a derogatory thing. It's no, much, no, no, no. I more... just don't think it's quite intending. Uh, to no, no. Really probe that in a. No, like you say as
0: heavier psychological uh, or philosophical even way that yeah. Jurassic Park literally has a dinner table discussion <laughs> yeah, about Yeah, like it. The, centerpiece <laughs> of that film is the, the discussion. Yeah. Um, uh, so, let's talk about the characters a bit more. Like um, one of the characters that I found a bit. As much as I love John Goodman, Mm. I find Delbert a bit of a weird kind of (laughs) component here. Whilst he does kind of speak to that idea of the kind of hapless individual just who's kind of just taught themselves enough to think that they're an expert on something. there's The film itself plays it. I don't mind his performance so much. It's more like certain moments with the character where it's played for... Quite broad comedy, the score becomes really jangly and piano y, like, but you I threw up the score at that point. <laughs> yeah, but, like, there's a couple of, like, there's a nice moment in the score where it goes from, like, the kind of, it has a, the theme played via uh, traditional South American instruments in the opening. Hmm. And then when it moves to uh, California and it s- plays the same theme, but on traditional uh american instruments yeah. the banjo and uh the harmonica i quite like that idea and and that kind of speaks to the idea of like what happens when you kind of end up folding one one thing yeah, into another yeah. um but yeah the the delbert theme i'm not too sure <laughs> but there's even parts where like they're racing to um get to get to the barn in the final climax where they realise that's where the nest is and he's going too fast and there's just a part where like Jeff Daniels is like Daryl Bird! <laughs> just like what? where's that come from? <laughs> Jeff
2: Daniels has a thing where when he, when he's a straight man as he always is against these wacky characters he seems genuinely annoyed in the scene yeah. by the actor not the character but the actor there's a bit when he's he's having in in that same scene and I forget what he says now but he seems genuinely irritated. Jeff Daniels by Jeff uh, John, John Goodman, Gidman. not Ross against uh, whatever John. G- yes, it's like in in my favorite Martian. <laughs> <laughs> there are scenes when Jeff Daniels seems genuinely pissed off by Christopher <laughs> Lloyd. <laughs>
0: was it also throwing you off that the cop was called Lloyd and it's Jeff Daniels calling <laughs> another character Lloyd? <laughs> <laughs> of course <laughs> um
2: yeah i know what you mean and it is he is from a different film he comes in and is this this tonal maelstrom yeah um i think well, the point that he came in was when I, I stopped my interest was starting to wane so he kind of did bring me back but he, he definitely does have something that's a little bit discordant and a bit and, like he's an exterminator that loves to exterminate because there's that bit Towards the end, when he squashes something or shoots something with his extermination splooge, and says, "Yeah, that's right, I'm bad." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I can imagine having that on a lunchbox as a kid. <laughs> it's weird. I don't know. I I thought it was quite good fun, but he is a weird. It a, a fun performance, element.
0: but I think like the way the film treats yeah. the
2: character is a bit because <laughs> uh, the other thing from when i was a kid that sticks in my head aside from the poster for the film in the video shop was his presence in the film yeah. so i figured he'd be second lead or, or something but he's a glorified cameo he really yeah. he, he comes in you see him once maybe twice before the final act of which he is all over but even still like the majority of the final act you're with jeff daniels for so it is a glorified cameo isn't it i did re- like i <laughs> Just realised he's the quint, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he's is the quint. Thankfully, his his fate is less traumatic. Than yeah,
0: quint. Um, there. Is, I do like that line where he's like first checking out a possible termite infestation yeah. in the in the wine cellar at yeah. the Jennings' new house, and it and they're talking about the wine wine collection with Molly in it, and he's just going, oh. I collect beer cans myself. Uh, I've, got a, I've got a cooler's can that dates back to 1929. They only made about 150. The husband might like to take a look sometime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bad wood. You got bad wood. <laughs> what do we do with it? You take out bad wood, put in new wood. <laughs> and the scene just cuts. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it is very off-kilter. But to, to pivot from something so off kilter and so obviously this sort of comic relief in a, in a very in you don't mm, that I'm trying to think of someone who would bring a similar energy now. The one who he, he sticks in mind is you know Kyle Mooney, one of the SNL guys. He's got yes. a similar kind of destabilizing energy. I mean, John Goodman doesn't always do this kind of thing, but the function he forms now, I feel like. That's the Kyle Mooney thing mm-hmm. nowadays. Just comes in and provides an energy that's so discordant with the rest of the film <laughs> that you either go with it or you think, "Oh no, I'm not with that." But um, on the topic of of the comic relief, what do you think of the straight man, uh, Jeff Daniels, in mm. this? I like that. I like it was a part of me as well. Like I was like, "Oh, he looks very handsome mm. in
0: this film. <laughs> <It's>, it does, <laughs> it very does, handsome yeah. young doctor." Um, and I like the chemistry he had with um,
2: Harley Jane Kozak as well. And I, I mm. wish she had a bit more to do. She's <laughs> good. Yeah, she follows the, the, the sort of string of really good ambling mums, and I really I couldn't pinpoint because I looked at her credits, mm. and I can't I recognise her massively. I've definitely seen Parenthood before. Pinpoint, but I can't think. Parenthood's really good. Yeah, it's really really good, but I can't think who she is in that film. But she's got Likewise. quality. I really recognise and I can't quite place it, but she she's good, right? She's good. She's yeah. got good good chops. You know, she's a she's got nice the same sort of presence. like
0: her um, Mary Jo Beth in um, yes, yeah, in Bondi again. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a very very, <laughs> very similar to yeah. Movie. yeah, a film which I think is much more successful at like establishing what its themes are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You,
2: you have too much. You have a much stronger director and producer dynamic yeah. there, whereas um, this is almost more purely fun.
0: Yeah, so I, I wonder if it, if it's like a don't di- thinking more to that kind of relation relationship with um the family of how much mm. this is more about the kind of um re- <laughs> uh dream versus reality and the kind of like expectation yeah. of a certain like career moves and finding that kind of place for you uprooting your family and finding that more idyllic yeah pure americana environment and uh, because there's that I've just thought of a line again that again speaks probably a bit more to what this film's going for is more to kind of like, be careful what you wish for sort of yeah. approach where um, it's one of their first nights in the house. Their kid is their kids have already made a friend with uh, another neighborhood kid. And uh, there's a point where she comes around and asks if they can play. And they it's like, yeah, go out, just be back after dark. And there's this point where Jeff Daniels is lying on the couch with, with molly and he just goes what do you think they're doing chasing fireflies (laughs) and it just cuts to the kids (laughs) running away it just goes do you want to
2: blow up a (laughs) (laughs) bullfrog?" so maybe like generational disconnect yeah yeah
0: yeah because he disconnects from like the yeah the older uh stalwart doctor who's holding him back essentially from what is supposed to be a bigger career yeah yeah What's <laughs> like? What was he doing as a doctor in San Francisco? Because it didn't sound like he was doing very well. No. <laughs> Did his wife? Because she was a stockbroker, right? Yeah. And Did she, she give that up them. for him? Yeah. So he could move to the, to the yeah. S- well, you're gonna miss the you're gonna miss the commute. You're gonna miss the loud traffic. You're gonna miss the uh, the office. Yeah. You're gonna miss uh, coffee. You're gonna
2: because <laughs> instantaneously he seemed irritated by his new state of being. It felt like it was. She Molly, he was driving. I think it's probably now. her being like, I can't do this anymore. How yeah, <laughs> yeah. I
0: don't know. There's always going to be something there. Like, even the ending attests to that. Right? When yeah, it ends on an earthquake, it was
2: was, like, but, should we check on the kids? We should check on the kids. But what I loved, like, it was after that because it was the Shad- the bottle of chateau that he was <laughs> saving for the entire film. And finally and he finally pours it. <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> the bottle gets tipped over, and the two glasses are wine in the as well. It's like, yeah, you you know, wherever you go, you you fucked, aren't you? Yeah. But um, yeah, it, I, I didn't even, it's quite interesting that normally in, well, not normally, but a lot of the time with amelin films, the thematic, even though they are like fairground entertainment, there is generally with the uh, higher caliber stuff, a thematic intention that comes out, mm. Portuguese being a very good example of that, didn't even occur to me to ponder what this film might be. Mean or be about beyond yeah, what are we doing this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, but, but I, I'm literally being, figuring this out yeah, as we're talking, but be, be, like, beyond being a thing that exists for its own yeah. good, I, I didn't really think about what what it could be saying about its time and place. And, um, I guess you know, it, it's not as obvious with it, no, really, it's not. you are right. And... But it, it is, I do feel like it is tied into the same postmodernism that would eventually birth Scream. Mm. So I do feel like it's the beginning of a cultural trend that would eat itself over and over and over and over again, much like spiders, who much are like cannibals. spiders. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I, I just, I, I, I do kind of see this wave of, of like, of of horror because it's part of a larger horror wave, specifically the creature feature throwback, but in a larger sense, the postmodern horror, and it just does. It, the the point of it is just, you you become. More and more self cannibalizing, and more and more about almost issuing meaning and 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 sort of self hating, yeah. as, <laughs> as the scream sequels attest. You know, and I was wondering as well. Maybe this is more of a, a wrap up conversation, but I was because I did. I said last week I was going to watch last episode. I was going to watch Eight Legged Freaks again, and I did last yeah. night because I had a real hankering for it. And uh, it, it's fun. It's not as good as this. It, it, it's a little bit dodgy. But it's a film that I. sort it's, it's a shame that it's has no cultural footprint because it is. It, it does a lot of things right, not to this level, but you do wonder like that sort of mid mid budget because this was twenty two million. That was thirty million, which by today's standards is about what fifty million thereabouts. Yeah, let's fifty go with sixty that. No, million, I reckon. Um, it's not well, really no, the new screen was twenty. The new screen, yeah, <laughs> but that kind of. I do miss the creature feature and I do Mm. miss particularly much as I talk about how they're not really about anything, at least to my eyes. I do like this kind of wave of creature feature. Tremors is just one of my go to comfort. Mm. It's so irresistibly entertaining. Yeah. Um, I like Slither quite a bit as well. I like Slither. You know, I I do. I do wonder where that kind of film has gone. Yeah. I I would like to see what. It's a good question. A creature feature in 2022 would look like, you know.
0: Because, like, the only ones that I can really think of of, like, kind of recent nature are a bit more overtly horror. So, like, mm. you had Antlers last year. Mm. And that was quite extreme, I think, from what I can gather. It's not one I've seen. No, I
2: haven't seen that either. They,
0: they tend to be, like, pure horror features, I think, more mm. more today that yeah. go for a bit more hardcore thrill rather than kind of play up a fun... Mm fun creature feature element which which this really does and that uh, particularly in that final act where it's like it's a fun house (laughs) it's it's jeff Jeff daniel's trying to like just (laughs) face his fear in the basement whilst it's burning and there's
2: a big bulging nest and a giant spider and he doesn't know where it is (laughs) and there's that amazing bit when i think i think it's the queen that he stabs because it's the queen that he fights then bob yeah and, and he, I think he stabs the qu- the queen into the maybe it's the fuse box or something, and she catches fire, <laughs> and he just goes therapy, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is really fun. But it's like like you say like th- today it would be straight straight horror like the the I guess this was nine years ago, but like the Evil Dead remake, just like straight gruesome, grisly horror, mm. or something more overtly SNL infused. Yeah, you know, like like, um, and again, this is an old example now, but the Ghostbusters the remake in twenty sixteen, which I like quite a bit, but it is very much it's that we are doing comedy bits as opposed yeah. to something that's a bit more behavioural like the original was. I feel like this kind of movie now, Arachnophobia, this kind of f- creature feature, this is never outright wacky or comedic. It's more like. Yeah, the the mood of it is quite jovial and amiable, and yeah, and, and comedic in tone without ever being gut busting. I feel like now you'd have the more outright horror or mm-hmm. the more obviously comedic, and you'd stack it with SNL players and and the sort of the yeah, comedy. are right. I d- I think the art of I don't I, I didn't come on this wanting to lament because it's not like a a great genre that we're <laughs> <lose it. laughs> But I do think the ability to merge the two might be somewhat lost. But then again, by the same token, there was a joke in this film that harkened back to Shaun of the Dead when he's he's throwing the wine bottles at the spider. Yeah. And he goes, not the chateau, which <laughs> is very akin <laughs> no, to the no, to no, the, the vinyl sh- the vinyl gag in Shaun of the Dead. So I, I I think Edgar Wright's quite a good he's quite good at fusing those two sensibilities. Yeah. Particularly in Shaun of the Dead. Um. But yeah, I don't know, man. It's just something I thought, you used to get quite a lot of these creature feature throwbacks and you don't really seem to anymore. No, the only thing, I, I, another one that's kind of
0: come to mind recently is something like uh, Crawl.
2: Oh yeah, like yeah, Nats. yeah. Yeah, Crawl's a good example because that's, that's kind of, it's, it's pretty tense but it's, it, it's got like a lightness to it yeah. almost. Yeah, I mean something
0: like The Shallows as well mm. that has a similar sort of B-movie genre vibe. Yeah. But both kind of has moments where it feels quite earnest, but it's, n- you never think at any point it's taking itself that seriously. Yeah. yeah. The- there is a playfulness, even if the, that okay, I think what you kind of see now is a playfulness in terms of the kind of way the camera is. And like the filmmaker often f- feels on the side of the audience in that regard. But then the characters within the spaces and within the films themselves are playing it deadly straight, yeah. <laughs> so- <laughs> which like this, this breed of horror, like creature feature of uh, your arachnophobia and your tremors, that's not the case at all. Like, everyone's <laughs> like, everyone is kind of more all on board with the yeah. playful approach. Um, and the characters and are a bit more jovial and a
2: bit more, yeah, yeah. But they aren't taking the piss, though. Like, they're not taking the piss, particularly in tremors. It... You do care about those people, yeah, yeah, agree. It, it's that light, it's light, yeah. yeah. It's played it, yeah. In-
0: is more banter.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. I suppose James Gunn is quite good at that, but mm. he does weld it to more overtly R-rated tendencies. Yeah. Um Gone is the PG 13 creature feature.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but man, again,
2: alien freaks pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. pretty good. Pretty Pretty there's some good bits in there. Maybe it's time again, who knows? <laughs> That's know. been twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> David Arquette, because he he was good in the new screen. He was David very Arquette. good. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think my only closing thought on this was: um, Did you listen to the song
2: at the end at all? <laughs> <laughs> I listened to the. I, I sort of. I, I played the credits out while I composed my thoughts. Um, it was it one of. The, was the sort of comments upon what we've just seen, yeah, yeah, like so the it, end of Rambo. First
0: blood, it's a Jimmy Buffett song, who I believe is good friends with Frank Marshall, and like it's called Don't Bug Me. And from what <laughs> I can gather, it's written from the perspective of Big Bob. <laughs> there were some lyrics I heard that were like,
2: um, meet me in the jungle, take me to the town. <laughs> That's reminiscent of the tagline for this film. Wasn't it like something like eight, eight legs, something, something, a lot of attitude? A
0: <laughs> lot of attitude. Oh, is God. something like so
2: that. I watched the trailer bef- before and it is, it's something that's much more, much broader.
0: Arachnophobia. Eight legs, two fangs and an attitude. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: so, Jimmy Buffett.
0: Yeah. He's, he's, on, he's on the spider side <laughs> like these spiders are real damn mean as well like the and they're meanies, very smart yeah. like you, there's often shots where they're kind of like trying to second guess where you're yeah, gonna go yeah. and you're like it's not your average house spider and <laughs> I, I do think this film is very successful at making quite an effectively creepy crawly yeah creature feature and particularly like um there's this scene with the more when they find the mortician's dead body and they're like oh to dead and Jeff Daniels is oh. quite close to his face and then the spider comes out no, of his, no. out yeah. his mouth and it's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So it's very effective that way. I think our kind of discussion here and our aptly named ramble has kind of <laughs> shown that thematically it's not quite so cast iron as some of, uh, or even quite as sophisticated or as thought out as some of the other similarly um toned or similarly mm-hmm. set or similarly minded films that we've covered in the past but it's, it's one I it's one I've enjoyed going back to uh. um, yeah yeah uh, it, it, there there was a lot more funness for it than I remembered yeah. from seeing it like I'd only <laughs> seen it the one time before I was
2: like, yeah, no, I remember that bit. This yeah. bit is fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good time. Good time with the movies. And I think spiders make good antagonists. And uh, I, I would say, um, if you're able to, just to, to give eight-legged freaks a go as well. This yeah. is, It's a good <laughs> I watched them both this week and had a, had, a, had a tremendous time. And also, it's never a bad idea to watch Tremors, which I believe it certainly was on Netflix a few months ago. I, mm, I, I might would well hope be. it still is. Mm. Tremors, to me, is the, the mac daddy of, of this whole sub-genre.
0: And of the three narrative fiction films that Frank Marshall was made, I think it's easily the best. Do you know what the other two are?
2: Yeah, the third one is something wacky, isn't it? <laughs> what, wasn't that a documentary that came out quite recently? Well, there was a
0: document. Yeah, he did a Bee Gees documentary. That's right. Yeah, um, which apparently in was 2020. very good. But, um... um
2: yeah. Uh... Oh, Alive Congo eight below. Twelve <laughs> of the four, yeah. Sorry, there was, I forgot about eight below. <laughs> it was eight below and what was the Cuba getting Jr. one? Snow Dogs. Snow Dogs. I've seen, I've seen snow dogs. I saw Snowdogs in the cinema. I've never seen Alive or Congo or or Eight Below, in fact. But um uh, Alive my, my, my girlfriend seen, is Uruguayan and Alive comes up surprisingly often in conversation because it's I mean Uruguay it's not world famous for an awful lot. I guess you got mm. Suarez and, uh, is Suarez right there? Yeah. And then you've got the plane that was carrying the rugby team that crashed. Yeah. In the, yeah. So, uh, Alive is a film yeah, that, yeah. that we talk about weirdly often in our household. <laughs> uh, I've never seen.
0: But yes, um, I think this would be up there for me as his yeah. <laughs> best out of the ones I've seen. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Rock and roll. All right. Party time.
2: So those are our thoughts, but did uh, any of our lovely listeners have any thoughts, Andrew?
0: They did indeed. I'm just going to go live to uh, the podcast now just to make sure I... <laughs> Um, I haven't missed one that's come through We're but... <laughs> taking you live to Ramblin' Amblin' on Twitter <laughs> So we had a, a message in from a previous guest of the podcast uh, Harley Mumford at the Fantastic Fundamentals podcast Great pod, great guy <laughs> He said, I have a memory of Jeff Daniel shooting a spider that's on fire with a nail gun Yeah, Did that happen? It did If so, 10 out of 10 cinematic masterpiece <laughs> <laughs> It's not wrong Really? So uh, we can confirm Harley that that did indeed happen, and he also had a little postscript as well to ask one question: for You guys, did even if you cry when the spider dies, Josh Glenn as the uh, <laughs> the, the house crier,
2: <laughs> is arachnophobia a film that made you cry? I am a keen crier. I feel like this question was asked in jest because it has to <laughs> be. <alright. laughs> no. Hey. I, I certainly grew more affectionate for Big Bob after like reading all <laughs> the reading trivia notes, so then, and then
0: knowing that they were calling him Big Bob.
2: <laughs> the death of the Queen made me giggle because of Jeff Daniels' funny little sign-off. The death of Bob, I giggled again because it was such a ludicrous way of of killing him, like firing a dart through a spider on fire into <laughs> the, nest. the nest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so no, 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 no tears, no tears from Joshua Reven on this one, uh, Andrew. No, no, I did not. Uh, I'm afraid to say. Uh, <laughs> don't
0: let that be a, a a reflection on how I feel about Big Bob. <laughs> if you cried, though, more power to you. Yeah, spiders spiders get a bad rap, and uh, I'm sure this film slightly fed into that. But <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it did. It did. Have you seen Have you seen that part on? <laughs> um, so there was there was some concern from I mean it's on Wikipedia it's very very vaguely reported but some people interested in spiders protested against the film believing that it tarnished the public's view of spiders Aww. and I tried to find the cited article but it's only available in print I and see. I really wanted to read more about that because it seems ludicrous to, <laughs> to say silly spider film um, but yes so that was. That was arachnophobia. Yeah, Uh, and uh, on the kind of
0: on on the note of that of the idea of uh, how it's uh, its impact on the on the cultural view of the spider species, um, did I did see a funny bit of news um, a couple of weeks ago? So it's it's pretty fresh that um, scientists over at UC Riverside have decided to call a newly discovered uh, parasite. Tarant- Tarantabilis Jeff Daniels <laughs> <laughs> in tribute to a new tarantula killing worm that they found um, for, um, for, for his character's knack killing spiders and Jeff Daniels has commented about it he's like when I first heard a new species of, of Nematoda be named after me I thought why is there a resemblance <laughs> honestly I was honoured by their homage to me and arachnophobia made me smile and, of course, in Hollywood, you haven't really made it until you've been recognised by those in the field of para- <laughs> parasitology. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jeff. Good old Jeff. <laughs> He's a good guy. Oh. So, yes, I think that is quite a nice little note. to mm. wrap up our, our tangled web of discussion over arachnophobia. Well, yes, well done. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, but do be sure to join us next time for our episode on uh, what will be on a trip to Cape Fear. <laughs> Martin Scorsese's 1991 remake of J. Lee Thompson's 1962 thriller of the same name. Um, if you don't happen to have the film on disc and would like to watch it along with us, you can stream the film if you have a Netflix or Virgin Go subscription. Failing that, you can rent or buy the film digitally from Amazon, Apple TV, Chili, Google Play, Rakuten TV, Microsoft
2: Store, and Sky Store. Similarly, if you've got any thoughts on the film Cape Fear, or the original Cape Fear, mm. or the Simpsons Season <laughs> 5 Episode 2 episode... Which I'm sure many of us more <laughs> episode know Episode Cape, Cape Fear. Cape Fear. <laughs> Please do tweet us at RamblingAmblin or send an email to ramblinaboutamblin at gmail.com. I've only ever seen both versions once, quite a long time from
0: each. Apart from each other, so I'm looking Mm. forward to revisiting both, and of course, I will
2: also be giving the Simpsons Simpsons episode. Yeah. To this (laughs) day, I struggle. uh, I struggle spelling the title of the film correctly because the Simpsons episode has an extra e on the end, and that's my primary reference point culturally for Cape Fear. So I always spell fear with an e on the end. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to that. Um. Oh, and uh, also uh, The Simpsons is available on Disney+, Plus. should anyone want to watch it. Um, <laughs> I stare with we an E. <laughs> <do> two E's. <laughs> season 5, episode 2. Don't, don't, re- don't go beyond season season 8 or 9 really, with The Simpsons. <laughs> we're getting to a point now where a quarter of The Simpsons is worth watching. Season uh, 33 we're in right now. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> Lament on that uh,
0: whilst you watch Cape Fear. <laughs> um, but we do hope you've enjoyed our episode here on uh, Arachnophobia as we wrap things up. Um, I have been and always will be Andy Godian.
2: I have been and, and might continue to be, but I might explore new avenues, uh, Joshua Glenn.
0: And together we are Rambling and Amblin' Podcast. We hope to see you next time down on Cape Fear. Until then, take care. Goodbye.
2: The Tompinsons.
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't bug me. Don't bug